want to invite you to be opening to Romans chapter 12 as well. Uh, thanks to Chris for uh, walking us through that time of communion. Uh, if you've ever worked out with Chris Richardson, you know that he pushes you. One of the things that I've learned to appreciate about Chris is not only that he has pushed me physically in times of workout, but he also pushes me spiritually. And Paul would say that physical training is of some value, uh, but training in godliness uh, has value uh, in all areas. And so we're very grateful uh, just for that expression of communion a moment ago. Thank you for being pushed a little bit uh, to participate in that way. Uh, today we continue in a series that we are calling Practicing the Kingdom. Practicing the Kingdom. Uh, when I first started preaching here at Homewood around 12 years ago, uh, I, was, I was told that we had uh, an older member whose health was declining, and it would probably be good if I, if I went and just spent some time uh, with this member. And uh, I was told that, that this member was a character, which is Southern code for you better be ready, all right? And so uh, her name was Geraldine Mitchell. Some of you have been here long enough to remember Miss Geraldine. Some of you never had the opportunity to meet Miss Geraldine. Uh, but I had the opportunity to go and visit with Miss Geraldine before she passed. And uh, I walked into uh, her house and sat down, and the first thing that I noticed as I sat down in her living room on the coffee table was that there was a revolver <laughs> right there, not one of those like revolving Lazy Susan thing. It was like a revolver, like a, a, a weapon. And I didn't know if, if the, 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 the revolver was loaded or not. I didn't need to know at that moment. But I just thought to myself, what have I gotten myself into? I'm sitting here. I mean, they don't have a class for this at Lipscomb University. When you walk into a church member's home and they have a weapon laying on the coffee table. But we proceeded to have a conversation. She proceeded to tell me about her late husband. Uh, she even went on to tell me about how she was uh, the first female supervisor at her company. And a company that had 22 supervisors, she was the only female supervisor and it was the first in her day. And I just got to learn a little bit about Ms. Geraldine's story. And that day, as I was sitting in her living room, scared just a little bit, I learned the value of being in someone's home. I learned the value of sitting down with someone and having a conversation like some of you just did during our time of communion. I learned the value of hospitality. I fast forward just uh, not too many months later, I was in Bocaton, Philippines for a class of mine doing an immersion experience for some schoolwork. And, and one of the, the things that we participated in was that we, we had to go to, uh, to someone's home and share a meal with them. And so a classmate of mine, we began uh, walking down these uh, very narrow alley alleyways uh, in into the, the slums of, of the Philippines. And we were, we were led by an 18-year-old believer, and his name was Del John. 
And, and Del John was uh, taking us to the, the place where he lived. They, they didn't call it the slums. That's where they lived. We, we, we called it the slums. And so we, we walked into their home, and uh, you'll see a picture on the screen of his friend Gomer, who was also there. And uh, this, this little home that was probably half the size of this stage that I'm standing on right now. Uh, you'll see there's a little stove in the background. Uh, there's a little computer that they had, which amazed me at the time, but that's where uh, his sister was watching something on the computer. Uh, no table, no chairs anywhere in their home. Uh, so we sat on the floor. Uh, the next picture you'll see is of their family. Um, it's a little blurry because this was a decade ago and, and phone cameras were not as good as they are today. Um, but this was the family that invited me into their home. Single dad on the far right, raising his children. He prepared chicken and rice for us. And we sat on this concrete floor and we ate chicken and rice together. We asked questions. We laughed a little. I know in the picture I look like I'm seven feet tall, but that day I felt like I was an inch. I was so humbled that somebody would provide such hospitality for me in the midst of circumstances in which they found themselves. I learned that day the value of hospitality. Paul wants the Roman church to be unified, and to do that, he writes out the fullest explanation of the gospel that we find in the scripture. Some would even call the book of Romans the fifth gospel. And in chapters one through four, you'll see on the screen, Paul tells his reader how the gospel reveals God's righteousness. Chapters five through eight, we read how the gospel creates a new humanity. Chapters 9 through 11, the gospel fulfills God's promise. And in chapters 12 through 16, it's this gospel that will unify the church through the Spirit. So in particular, in chapters 12 and 13, Paul describes how kingdom unity is played out, how it's kept, kingdom unity is kept through love. And it's kept through forgiveness. And so in Romans 12, uh, love is really manifested itself in, in everyone using their gifts, everyone using the diversity of their gifts and talents to serve one another in the church. And Paul knew that when different ethnic groups came together, different backgrounds, different people who are diverse, Paul knew that conflict was going to be inevitable. And so if you practice the kingdom, you have to learn how to love the way the king did. And we must love in a way that is sincere. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Follow along with me, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Literally, that word means that love must be unhypocritical. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. This week during our 40s days of prayer on Saturday, we're asking you, asking us as a faith family to meditate on this verse. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving 
the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And here it is, practice. Practice hospitality. If you haven't caught on yet, we are, we are finding places, particularly in the New Testament, where we see this word practice. Last week, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you'll see multiple times in that sermon this word pop up, practice. 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 Hospitality is at the heart of the Christian life. In her book, Making Room, author Dr. Christine Pohl says, hospitality is a way of life fundamental to Christian identity. Its mysteries, riches, and difficulties are revealed most fully as it is practiced. She goes on to say, the experience of generous and gracious hospitality often draws us into the practice. I've come to see that in God's remarkable economy, as we make room for hospitality, more room becomes available for us, to us for life, hope, and grace. Henry Nouwen would say it this way, if there is any concept worth restoring to its original depth and evocative potential, it is the concept of hospitality. Yet if we're honest, uh, the past few years has taken a toll on this fundamental Christian identity. And I think we just take a moment to sit with that. That this fundamental Christian identity has been scarred these past few years in, in many ways. The last time that we issued a hospitality challenge where we challenged the congregation to invite someone into your home who you've never had in your home, the last time that we did this, anybody want to take a guess? March 1st. 2020. I've never had a sermon thrown back in my face <laughs> more than that one. Because just two weeks later, the world changed forever. And so, if we're honest, the pandemic left this mark when it comes to practicing hospitality. And I'll speak for me, I'm not going to put all the blame on the pandemic because I wasn't that great at it before the pandemic. And so if we're going to more deeply live into the way of King Jesus, if we're going to practice the kingdom the way that Jesus taught us to, we're going to have to make room for hospitality. And this goes beyond just having somebody come into your home. And that's what I want us to catch this morning. Now, after three years, I would invite us to participate in what you see on the screen. I would invite us to participate in another hospitality challenge, maybe for the month of February, that you just receive the challenge to, you know what, I'm going to have somebody from this church family in my home. I'm going to open up my home, and I'm going to have them there. And we may be eating chicken and rice on the floor, or we may have something else, but I'm going to invite somebody into my home where you have someone from this church sit down and visit with you. 
But that's not the only way. It's one way, but it's not the only way to practice hospitality. Again, I appreciate Chris inviting us into small group community this morning and our connect groups here at Homewood are, are not just another church program. If they ever feel that way, it's not what they are designed to be because our, our groups give way to Paul's instruction to be devoted to one another in love. The very next verse in Romans 12, if you're following along, says this, verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Uh, the reality is, is that I'm, I'm one person. Uh, there are places that I want to be in a, in a church family this size. There are places that I want to be that, that I cannot be, that I'm unable to participate in. We have a wonderful group of shepherds, but there are, are places and times where our shepherds cannot be present in every single situation uh, that happens among this faith family, albeit that we try sometimes. But we, we need your grace in that. We can't be everywhere all the time. But when something happens in your life, not if tragedy strikes, but when tragedy strikes, guess who will be there? Your small group. Your group will be there. Just this past week, uh, we gathered here in this auditorium to mourn with a sister whose mother had passed. We mourn with those who mourn. Friday night, we gathered with a couple who was walking through pancreatic cancer. We mourned. We prayed. We laughed a little. Yesterday, I, we had a, a couple from our small group come and, and rejoice with our kids who were playing basketball. They just came and watched the game and just rejoiced when they did something good and didn't say anything when they didn't. <laughs> just <laughs> we, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. This, this is the fundamental Christian identity of, of who we are. Images of hospitality actually appear all through the pages of Scripture. You'll see on the screen probably the most famous Russian religious painting is a painting called The Hospitality of Abraham, the Holy Trinity icon painted in the 15th century. It was at that meeting in Genesis 18 with the three strangers that God promised Abraham and Sarah their longed-for son, Isaac. And the Gospel of Matthew would tell us that this is the genealogy of Jesus. Abraham was the father of Isaac. What a radical display of hospitality. What about the birth of the Philippian church? Anybody find encouragement from Paul's letter to the Philippians? I know this is one of my favorite letters because of all that it brings out in these uh, four short chapters. But did you realize that the birth of the Philippian church was surrounded with hospitality? Paul and Silas baptized Lydia in Acts chapter 16. And what does Lydia say? She says, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. She persuaded us. And after Paul and Silas get out of prison in Acts chapter 16, verse 40, where did they go? 
Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> they went to Lydia's house. Read it for yourself, Acts 16, 40. Go look it up. The church in Philippi was birthed through the radical hospitality of its very first convert. And here's what we learned from Jesus. What we learned from Jesus is that hospitality does not have to take place in a certain place. Look at this on the screen. Jesus was generous without a salary, and he showed hospitality without owning a home. Let that sink in for a minute. Whatever excuses we try to come up with are pretty much null and void after you read this one. Jesus didn't just keep company with those who could help him or those who wouldn't cause any drama in his life. But he kept company with the flawed. He kept company with the poor. He kept company with those who were prone to mood swings. <laughs> Peter. The woman at the well was the wrong sex and the wrong race. The tax collector was despised by everybody. The thief on the cross was a convicted criminal. And Jesus still invited them all through himself to his father's home. God is not limited by the things of this world. And when Jesus walked the earth with his disciples, he showed that hospitality and generosity are godly characteristics that are available to us all through the power of his spirit. Dr. Pohl would go on to say, those who offer hospitality find that the practice itself is nourishing. We discover that a life of hospitality brings us life. I can't explain that. I can't put that on a paper and tell you about it. All I can tell you is when I'm laying on the couch, but I know somebody's coming over, something gets inside of me. I start cleaning the house, and I like that couch. Something inside of me gets, gets invigorated when people come. Something inside of me gets invigorated when I sit over here with two brothers and I listen to their story. How many times have you sat at a family meal, a family meal with three God love them children? How many times have you sat at a table and everybody is just quiet? Yet we come in, and this is how we take communion. What we did today may not be perfect, but I believe it was one step closer to experiencing the hospitality that Jesus displayed, that Jesus taught us that Jesus lived, that he didn't just preach about in sermons, but that he walked out on this earth 
A few takeaways, church. A life of hospitality begins in worship. With a recognition of God's grace and generosity, hospitality is not first a duty and responsibility. It is first a response of love and gratitude for God's love and welcome to us. And although it involves responsibility and faithful performance of duties, the second takeaway is this, is that hospitality emerges from a grateful heart. This is the way of the kingdom. Mother Teresa, surely one of the most broadly respected Christ followers of the last century, rejected any view of her life as an activist. In her Nobel Prize acceptance speech, she claimed that anyone who viewed her life as being about social work or even compassion had it backward. In reality, she claimed that she, along with her fellow servants, were nothing more than contemplatives in the heart of the world. She was saying that everything that she was being awarded for, caring for the poor, rehabilitating the addicts, creating a community of heavenly love in a poor slum, all of it just accidentally happened in response to prayer. In other words, her life was about being with God and responding accordingly. Social justice was simply the natural response to being with Jesus. Mother Teresa wasn't an activist. She was a person of prayer. I believe this is why Paul reminds the church in Rome to be faithful in prayer. And so, as we continue our 40 days of prayer, if you've not been involved in that, come on. Come on. Join in. May our practice of prayer be the catalyst to our practicing the kingdom. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. We are the body of Christ. One goal, one vision to see you exalted. We are the body of Christ. And this is what we give our lives to, to see you glorified. Let's pray this morning. Father, we ask that you will help us to learn or maybe even relearn what it means to practice hospitality. Father, we pray that you will place this seed in our hearts this week to realize that this looks a multitude of ways. It's played out a multitude of ways. Thank you for this church family that has shown me what it means to practice hospitality. I pray that we will be a church family that continues to live out this fundamental Christian identity in our lives. And so we pray as your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, amen.